Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. It's starting to get very busy around our area with all things happening, and we're here to tell you about some of them this week. They include, coming up, a new program geared for those ages 15 to 18 who are considering a career in law enforcement. We have the details on the Hill Impact Program. We'll also be giving you the details about the upcoming 46th Friends of the Poor Thanksgiving Dinner and 36th Family to Family Program in downtown Scranton. You can come blow your horn once again at Actors Circle in Scranton. Their comedy was rescheduled and we'll give you the details. The Santa Parade is coming back to downtown Scranton and I have it on good authority that Santa can't wait to see everyone. We're going to find out where, when, and who are those three Grand Marshals. It's also the ninth year for the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project. We have your invitation for the decorating and the celebrating. And starting us off, the 44th Hazleton American Cancer Society Telethon is this Sunday, November 13th, from noon to 11 p.m. Jane Doherty has been involved since the beginning. She's here to tell us how times may have changed, but there's still more to do, and raising money for research is now necessary more than ever. The telethon started when my co-chair, Clemmie Amona, was upset because there wasn't an official American Cancer Society presence in Hazleton. And she went to the powers that be at the time, and they told her that if she could raise $25,000, there would be an official ACS in Hazleton. And she and the Gans and Chrysler families organized a telethon that raised $78,000. Wow. And here we are. And here you are. But what was it like back then? In the very beginning, it was really a polka-thon. Polka dancing was very big in the Hazleton area, and both the Ganses and the Chryslers were polka dancers. So we actually brought in polka dancers by the busload from out of the area, and they danced. We started at Janetti's in Hazleton, and they danced the day and the night away for two days, and that was how we raised money. That must have been incredible. And how long did that continue? Uh, Polka dancing went on probably for about uh, 10 years, and then it morphed into Line dancing and square dancing, country line dancing was big at the time. That lasted quite a few years. And gradually over time, we have morphed into just uh, miscellaneous talent. And I don't say that unkindly, but we have dancers and singers and guitarists and bands, martial arts, pretty much any kind of talent that anyone is willing to do from the greater Hazleton area. We are more than happy to have. And when it did start, you mentioned the fact that it was two days right from the very beginning. That must have been a pretty big undertaking back then. It really was. And actually, in the very beginning, we started out on a 
Friday night. And we had a small piece of the telethon Friday night, then all day Saturday and all day Sunday. It's changed a little bit over the years. Again, when people are thinking about the telethon and they're thinking about all the great talent that's involved, and there's a lot of fun that goes on behind the scenes as well as on the air as well. It never has lost its message since Clemmy got the idea way back when. Tell us about the American Cancer Society and where the money goes that you raise. It's so important that we have a telethon because we do raise money and the money goes for patient services such as our Road to Recovery program for free rides to treatment, our Hope Lodge in Philadelphia where patients and their families can stay free of charge, There's a wonderful website, cancer.org, that is available 24-7. There is uh, a new, brand new mobile app for Reach to Recovery, which is for breast cancer survivors. And you can put in a little bit of information on that app and immediately be connected to another breast cancer survivor who had the same type of cancer that you have, is probably, probably took the same treatment that you did, and available 24-7 to talk with you, to ease your concerns, to explain things to you. And also one of the most important pieces our money goes for is raising funds for research. Research, of course, is so important. We've come so far in cancer treatments. When we started our telethon, we didn't have any survivors. Cancer was a death sentence, and it's not any longer, thanks in part to the research that the American Cancer Society does. We have funded 49 Nobel Prize winners, and ACS researchers discovered tamoxifen, which is, of course, a breast cancer drug, and Gleevec, which is used for several cancer treatments. Also, in addition to fundraising, our telethon has an education piece to it. We feel it's very important to tell the public about cancer prevention, cancer screenings, which, of course, have suffered because of COVID. And we also do things like second graders in the Hazelton Area School District and the private schools locally do a cancer prevention lesson in their classroom, and then they design a little decoration that we will use at the telethon that has a cancer prevention message on it. Because even second graders can be taught that they should wear sunscreen and they shouldn't smoke and eat healthy foods and things like that. We're doing interviews right now with researchers. We have local doctors appearing on the telethon, women's cancer issues. So it's a twofold purpose, mostly fundraising, but of course the education piece is important also. We invite survivors to be on our telethon, and that wouldn't have been possible uh, just a few years ago even, because people didn't want to talk about cancer, people were too nervous, too concerned about it. But they, uh, they are now, and they talk freely about their experience, and they want to help other people who might be undergoing the same thing. You can make a pledge at 570-459-1212. You can also donate online at acsmove.org slash Hazleton Telethon. And we will be broadcast live on WYLN-TV 35 in Hazleton. And I know that's available in the Wyoming Valley as well on Service Electric. Thanks, Jane. That's the 44th Hazleton American Cancer Society Telethon this Sunday, November 13th from noon until 11 p.m. It's being hosted this year at PTPA. 
Pennsylvania Theater of Performing Arts, 212 West Broad Street in Hazleton. And of course, you can watch it live on WYLN-TV, which is carried in the Wyoming Valley on Service Electric. Now it's time to get ready for the ninth Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project. Karen DeClect is here, and she has your invitation to decorating and celebrating. We're talking about the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project. Uh, it is a community Christmas tree planted in uh, Veterans Park on Main Street in Edwardsville. Every year, we decorate the tree with the recruiters and the Girl Scouts, Boy Scouts, Frontier Girls. And then on Sunday, uh, the 20th, November 20th, we're going to have a lighting ceremony. We'll have a Sergeant Santa parade. We'll give a few speeches and have some military honors. And then we'll ask a, a veteran to, we'll surprise a veteran and ask him to light the tree for us. Sergeant Santa will be handing out toys. <laughs> and how long have you been doing this now? Since 2014. So this is actually our ninth annual event. Wow, and every year it just keeps yeah. getting bigger. And and you were giving us yeah. uh, giving us some of the rundown. Give us some more information because a lot of people turn out for this event. Uh, they do. Well, we have a little competition with on decorating day with the Bookster Santa Parade, but uh, we still get a very nice crowd to decorate the tree. The tree started off being eight foot tall. It's now about somewhere between twelve and fourteen feet. So. <laughs> a little crazy um but we do have uh the recruiters come down with their candidates and then we have the frontier girls and the boy scouts and cub scouts uh 154 come down and decorate the tree they put all hang all the stars on the tree that the kids from state street uh, elementary school in wild valley west painted for us years ago we offer uh free pizza donated from bud's pizza in kingston we have donuts and coffee and hot chocolate coming uh, from Curry Donuts in Larksville. They're donating. So we have that to keep everybody warm while decorating the tree. And then uh, that's on Saturday, November 19th, starts at noon uh, until the tree's done. Usually takes about two hours. So we should be wrapped up by 2 p.m. Then on Sunday, we start at 3 p.m. on Main Street in Edwardsville, we have a small Sergeant Santa parade, comes up from around Lowe's area, comes straight up Main Street to Veterans Park on the corner of Main and Church. Uh, that's at 3. Then we have some military honors, which this year will be run by uh, AMVET Post 59. And we have our honor guard, which is always uh, Larksville Legion Post uh, 655. They do the taps and 21 gun salute for us. Uh, and then we start, we have a couple of guest speakers lined up this year. And we'll have some speeches. And then we release Santa, Sergeant Santa, to uh, the kids to hand out toys. And we play some music for them. And we light the tree with, uh, we surprise a veteran and we light the tree. We're usually there from 3 p.m. to about 5 p.m. on Sunday, 1120. Wow. That's a lot. Yeah. That's going to be. Yeah. It got a a lot bigger than when we started. We were just. Santa sitting in his chair. <laughs> well, and, like, and pictures and taken. For our listeners who may not know how this all started, can you give us a little bit of the brief history of, of where all this came from? Sure. Uh, well, my son, uh, Zachary Hunter, joined the Marine Corps 
And about when he got out of boot camp, I found out he's coming. I was able to find out that he was coming home for Christmas, but I knew other moms on Facebook. Um, they were saying their boys weren't coming home for Christmas. So in my living room, I started a little three foot tree and I put on stars, cut out stars, the names of all of his boot camp brothers. We had about 105 names on the tree uh, of everyone, and I posted it to the to the Marine moms online on Facebook. And I said, you know, tag your Marine on the tree. He's home for Christmas. And it became a big hit. And soon Marines were calling me to add their buddies' names on the onto the tree and soldiers. And we had like all these people call and add this one to the tree, add sailors to the tree. So the next year we had over 300 uh, stars on my little three foot tree. And I basically said, mama needs a bigger tree. And my neighbor went down to uh, Edwardsville um, city council and got the approval. <laughs> so I gathered up a couple more Marine moms. Uh, we started off with Rachel Holsizer and Diane Kalman. And then we added uh, Mary Harkin Reacher and She's a godsend. Uh, she helps me out so much with uh, the planning and uh, prepping and getting it all together. Well, again, you're, yeah. you're the lady that really makes you're a you're a maker and shaker because you've been doing this all these years. It just keeps getting <laughs> mm-hmm. it just keeps getting bigger. Yeah. Of course, you're you're thanking everybody for their service. Of course, and of course, always. I'm, I'm sure that you're seeing a lot of the same familiar faces of people who uh, maybe, oh, yeah. maybe there's maybe their soldier or person couldn't be home for the holidays. So that's me. That must exactly. mean a lot to them. I think it does. It seems to be a big hit, especially in the veteran community, the local veteran community that we have, because uh, we have big turnout of the veterans from like American Legions, VFWs, uh, AMVETS, of course, every year. And they they seem to appreciate it because it, the tree represents all of the holidays that they miss at home uh, when they were serving. So and it also for the ones who are serving now. And we like to have the recruiters candidates come down to decorate the tree and come to, to the lighting ceremony because then they're being sent off with a bunch of community support for them. So they know, you know, that they have support. They have love from the community to do what they do. And you mentioned the um, State Street school kids who had made the ornaments. Yes. Do I understand that you also have something else new for the tree this year that uh, from Texas? Do you have new bows? My good friend, Amy Jewett, lives in Texas, and every year she donates bows for the treetopper. We didn't need them for a couple years because the bows were in good shape. But uh, this year, we had to get four brand new bows for it. So she was nice enough to uh, to order those for us, and we picked them up at Barbara's Floral in Nanico. We did a great job. They do a great job on the bows every year for us. So again, it's not just that it's this area that you're touching all the way to mm-hmm. Texas oh, is yeah. reaching out oh, to yeah. help. Mm-hmm. We had uh, a couple years ago, every once in a while, some, some Marines will come and visit the Marines. I know like the veteran Marines, they'll come and visit from different states. I've had Marine moms come and visit from different states. Amy was one of them. So we just have a lot of support within our Marine family, of course, uh, and they're from everywhere. You know, we got Georgia, we've got New Jersey, Kentucky, uh, New York, Texas, everywhere. <laughs> 
So it's always nice to see some of them um, coming up. Uh, we have Ohio. Uh, he came in the one year, uh, one, one of the friends from Ohio and, and one of Marine Mother that lived by him. They came up for a year. Well, it's always nice. It's always nice to see these faces that I've known forever on Facebook, but I get to see them in person. Yeah. It's not only Marines either. You have no, you, no, you no, have no. Every this branch. is every branch. Yeah, yeah, every branch. This is for every branch: Army, Navy, Air Force, Marines, Coast Guard, and Space Force. But we don't have any recruiters for them around here. But we we honor all of them and all of the holidays that they miss at home. Mary's daughter, uh, Candace, she she missed a few Christmases too when she was deployed. For us to grow like this, uh, we've we've also we started off just as moral support, and now we find ourselves helping homeless veterans. With uh, we kind of teamed up with MBS Post Five Nine and FSB Initiative, and we go out. Well, my husband mostly goes out. To, with them to find homeless veterans. So they go out into the woods and they look for camps and uh, help get them off the street. Veteran service officer, uh, Mike Price, he he helps get them their benefits from the VA for housing. And if we can't get them off the streets, we give them like clothes, boots, whatever that they need. Uh, we take them peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. Uh, and even like the regular homeless will help them out too with some clothes and stuff, blankets, whatever that they need for the winter coming up. Karen, I'm going to turn it over to you so that all of our listeners know when all this is happening, they can get the word out. They can come uh, themselves and enjoy. So give us the rundown on Saturday. Give us the rundown on Sunday and also how folks can get in touch with you if you're talking about getting involved in other things they'd like to help in those areas as well. Right. We're always recruiting new people to help us out. The decorating day for the Warrior Tree in Edwardsville is on Saturday, November 19th, starting at noon. If you want to come down with your kids, help decorate the tree. We're here from like noon to 12. We'll have some free refreshments for you to keep you warm. Hot coffee, hot chocolate, pizza and donuts from, like I said, from our friends at Bud's Pizza in Kingston and Curry Donuts in Larksville. Then on Saturday, November 20th, at starting at 3 p.m., we have the Sergeant Santa Parade. We have the military honors. We have some guest speakers. We have a DJ with music. And we surprise a veteran, and he lights the tree for us on Sunday. It's a great day. It's a couple, just like one or two hours. Come on out. Uh, Santa has toys, some toys for the kids. Uh, while supplies last, you know, um, bring your kids down. You can take photos. Uh, and have a, a cute little gift, just a little gift, from 3 to 5 on Sunday, November 20th. And you can always reach out to us on Facebook, uh, like our page, the Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project, and you can direct message one of either Mary or I uh, directly there through that. The ninth Annual Edwardsville Warrior Tree Project, decorating next Saturday, celebrating on Sunday, and everyone's invited. Next Saturday morning, the Santa Parade is back in downtown Scranton. Elf Tom Fritz is here getting the word out that Santa can't wait to see everyone. He's going to tell us where, when, and who are those three Grand Marshals. I have Elf Tom with me, and he's going to tell us, because I know, Elf Tom, that you are in direct contact with Santa Claus. 
I am in direct contact with Santa Claus. In fact, for years, he has been in my cell phone. And one of the things that the last two years, we haven't spoken much, but Santa is coming back to Scranton. Can you believe it? Finally. I'm so happy to hear that. And I know that all the folks in the area are thrilled about that. But you, Elf Tom, are going to be in charge of the parade. Tell us about it. Well, I'm one of the people who is in charge of the parade, not the person, but I'm in charge of getting the word out. So that's what I'm here to do, to let everybody know Santa is coming back to town. And as always, he's bringing his entourage, which means marching bands and big balloons and dancers and twirlers and community groups and music and a ton of Christmas cheer. Ooh, that sounds great. And I'm sure that there's going to be special surprise guests. There are some special surprise guests. And in fact, because this is actually the third year that we would have had a grand marshal had we had the last two parades. So we needed to have three. What? So to make sure that this was extra special, we got not one, not two, but three grand marshals. So a power trio. Wow. Three musketeers, maybe. Maybe. Uh, Or three wise men, maybe not. Uh... Maybe the ghost of Christmas past, because these are all past grand marshals. Oh, wow. Okay. Can you tell us, or does Santa say it has to be kept a secret? Well, it was a secret until now. Oh. So, our, yep, our, our three grand marshals, we're ready to tell everybody. Uh, we've got, and we'll say this is in no particular order. These guys are all people that we've had in the past, and we love them all. We've got the prospector from Rock 107. Frankie Warren from Magic 93, and KRZ's own Rocky Rhodes returning as Grand Marshals. Oh, wow. Now, I I don't know about all of them, but I I hope that uh, Santa is going to overlook some of Rocky's discretions from the... Shh, don't tell that, okay? And and you know what what we did is uh, when we were looking for our Grand Marshals, we did look in Santa's nice list, but we couldn't find anybody. (laughs) <laughs> well, it's so that's when we have this idea. Well, it certainly sounds like it is going to be a lot of fun. When and where is all of this happening? As always, we are in downtown Scranton. It starts at the corner of what is now Biden and Franklin, and it goes uh, up Biden and then around the square. The map will be available on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Santa Parade. You can also check it out. I'm sure that it'll be in the Times shortly. And it is the same route that we've been doing for quite a while. The parade starts officially at 930 is when the broadcast starts if you can't be downtown. But it actually steps off a little bit earlier than that. So you want to be downtown, get your spot, line up these streets, and make sure that you can see Santa. It's November 19th. That's a Saturday morning, just like always. It leaves a little bit more, or a little bit earlier than nine thirty. So if you're going to be in the early part of the parade, you definitely want to be there early. And if you can't be downtown, you can see our broadcast on WNEP. And Santa is sticking around on the square. We'll have a tent for him, so you can stick around and go and see Santa right after he's done with the parade. Oh wow! Now, do you have to have a special invitation in order to see Santa? Nope. No, just hang around at the parade. Once Santa gets through the parade and he says his hellos to everybody out there on the parade route and then in TV land, he goes over to a tent that we'll have set up for him. And then all the kiddos and the young at heart can go and see Santa. 
Oh, that sounds like it's going to be a lot of fun, Elf Tom. So what else do we need to know about about the parade and who's going to be in it? And I guess we're going to be singing along if there's going to be music. I'm hoping that there's going to be a lot, a lot of music. Now, one of the things that we do have is we've got our marching bands like we always do. And there's always performers that are in the parade as far as twirlers and dancers. We've got walking groups, and I know that there's always people who are playing the music, especially when the radio stations come through. But one of the other things, too, is there's still room in the parade. So if you're interested in being in the parade, you can still contact us at participants at santaparade.net or go through our Facebook page. And as always, we're always still looking for volunteers and sponsors. So you can still get in on that action if you like. And do volunteers mean balloons? Volunteers can mean balloons, carrying banners. If you don't want to go and walk through the parade route, we've got some behind-the-scenes help that we need to. So anything and everything. If you just want to help out or if you want to be on TV, we can help you either way. All right. So once again, how do we get in touch with you if we'd like to volunteer? The best way, if you want to volunteer or be in the parade, go to participants at santaparade.net or go to our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash the Santa Parade, and you can contact us that way. Excellent. And give us the date and the time and all that good stuff because we want to make sure we're there early to get a seat. All right. Once more, Saturday, November 19th, parade coverage will start at 930, but it steps off a little bit earlier, so you definitely want to be just a little bit early for the parade. Get your spot. Is there any kind of secrets that we need to know so that we make sure that we get a good spot? Well, the great spots are all around the square. You can see Santa several times if you want to. You know, you can follow him all the way around the square you want. The streets are wide and big. But most people, as we all know, they've been going to this parade for 28 years now. And they've got a spot that they want to be at. So if you're new and you want to come down, hang out somewhere on the square, there's always special surprises in the parade. And a lot of those are for the people who are out there in it, experiencing it in downtown. Now, you'll get to see all of the parade on WNEP, but this is about being down there and showing your support and welcoming Santa back to Scranton. Exactly. Well, when you see Santa before the parade, Elf Tom, you make sure that you tell him we can't wait. And I hope that you're going to try to keep them away from those, that trio of the uh, Grand Marshals. They might cause some problems. Well, I'm in touch with all four of them, actually. And I think that the Grand Marshals might be trying to hit them up to, you know, get themselves off of the naughty list. But we'll see what happens. Well, and once again, that'll be something that you want to be there to see. Exactly. And I, I don't want to say it, but I think all three of them are candy cane thieves. So you got to be careful if you've got a candy cane. I'm pretty sure they are, yes. (laughs) Thank you, Elf Tom. Thank you very much. And thank you very much for letting us get the word out about Santa coming back. Can't wait to see Elf Tom and Santa, the Santa Parade in downtown Scranton, this coming Saturday morning. 
Last week, Kathy Ristrock joined us here on Special Edition to tell us about the upcoming presentation of Come Blow Your Horn by Actors Circle in Scranton. They had some scheduling changes, so she asked if I could pass on the new information. Of course! So you can catch performances again Saturday, November 12th at 8 p.m., Sunday afternoon, November 13th at 2 p.m., and then again Thursday, Friday, Saturday, November 17, 18, and 19, 8 p.m. at the Providence Playhouse, 1256 Providence Road in Scranton. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving on Special Edition. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Scranton Cultural Center will be a very busy place on Tuesday, November 22nd and Wednesday, November 23rd. The 22nd, it's the 46th annual dinner, and on the 23rd, it's family to family. Linda Robeson and Megan Loftus have all the details. We're getting ready for Thanksgiving, and what would Thanksgiving be without the Friends of the Poor Thanksgiving dinner and also family to family, and that's where we're going to start. Linda Robeson, how are you today? I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent. Now, tell us what you have coming up. So the Family to Family program, of course, is we're in our 36th year already, um, and certainly starting from our very humble beginnings of 640 families fed, we are now preparing to feed 3,500 families this year. And of course, with the way the economy is going and, you know, still kind of recovering from the pandemic, um, we just feel that our need is greater than ever this year. All right. And how is it going to work this year? I know things have changed because of the fact that we got through COVID and you guys did an awesome job. So how is it going to work this year? So this year, we're actually going back to the Scranton Cultural Center, which is where we were pre-pandemic. Now, we're still going to go with our drive-through format. So, um, you know, anybody who is nervous about coming into the Cultural Center, everything is going to be held outside. We will be able to accommodate people who are walking in from, from downtown Scranton. They'll be able to walk to the front of the Cultural Center and we'll have a meal. We'll have everything ready for them right there. But the majority of the people will go through the drive-through and we will just have multiple people filling multiple cars at a time. So we hope it runs as smoothly, you know, as we've run our previous drive-throughs, but we're not quite ready to go back inside to do everything. And we've discovered we're pretty efficient when we do a drive-through format. So for right now, we're going to stick with that. And just to refresh everybody's memory, how does the drive-through work? Well, they are going to have, we are going to have a staging area that is going to be at Lackawanna College. And we actually have a professional road crew that is going to be taking care of traffic. So people, when they get into our area, because we are going to have a couple of blocks lined up, there should be plenty of signage and people directing traffic. So just so they know if they kind of head towards Lackawanna College and the block of Washington Avenue, they should be directed right from there. Um, and then we will be just be outside the front of the cultural center, um, kind of all along the cultural center there to load all of the cars. 
and folks don't have to get out of their vehicles. You're doing everything. No, no, we will have somebody who's going to be registering them, you know, which by registration, we just mean asking for a name and how many people are in their family. Um, but once they get to the cultural center, we just ask them to pop the trunk. They don't have to get out. We load everything and, um, you know, try and make it as smooth as possible for them. All right. And how about the, the day and the time and what time they should start being there and, and all those kind of things? So we know people try and line up a little bit early. Um, we won't start our distribution until nine o'clock. We're going to run from nine until five or um, until our food runs out. Now, like I said, we are prepared for uh, 3,500 families. The distribution for family to family is on Wednesday, November 23rd. Um, and again, from nine until five. Now, the other big thing that we have um, is that we're asking for a lot more money this year um, because the price of turkeys have almost doubled um, from 99 cents per pound two years ago to an average of $2.49 per pound this year. So our goal is over $200,000 this year. So we're counting on the generosity of our community once again to help us reach that goal. And how can we help you there as far as getting that to you? Well, we have several ways you can donate. Um, one of them is if you want to mail in a check, um, family to family, PO Box 13, Scranton, Pennsylvania, 18501. And then you can also go to Friends of the Poor Scranton.org and just look for the family to family drop down in the or drop down box and you can donate online. And the other thing I have to ask is do you still need volunteers? We love our volunteers because, of course, none of this can happen without our, our volunteers. So um, I have told people that they can contact me through our Family to Family Facebook page, and they can also contact Ann Williams at um, Friends of the Poor. She kind of coordinates our volunteers, um, but we need we need volunteers throughout the entire day. Family to Family, <laughs> we we have all the information for the 23rd. And now, thank you, Linda. Now we're going to turn over to the microphone and we're going to say hello to Megan Loftus. And Megan, you always throw a party. So what do you have planned for Thanksgiving this year? We have our 46th annual Thanksgiving community dinner for adults and elderly. So we are planning on our Thanksgiving dinner on Tuesday, November 22nd. Um, Unfortunately, it does have to be a takeout meal again because we are unable to um, have everybody safely inside for a sit-down meal again just due to the pandemic. And we just want to be you know, as, as safe and have as many precautions as we can because we understand it's a vulnerable population that we're serving. And so while we want to get back to the sit-down as soon as we can, it's just, it's not the time for it yet. So um, again, we'll be on Tuesday, November 22nd, and we're going to start doing the takeouts at about 2.30 in the afternoon. And we're going to go until 5.30 or we run out of meals. And we will have 3,500 meals prepared. Wow. And you're, you're right up there with Linda as far as the growing need and the growing quantity of all these things. And how will, how will the uh, distribution then work on Tuesday? So what we'll do is uh, we still have the same community partners that we've had in years past and even some new additions. So we have Marywood University, the University of Scranton, Lackawanna College, and the Hilton all helping us cook the food. And when we bring the food back to the cultural center, we'll pack it into takeout containers. Um, our first shift will be about 
1,500 meals that we're going to deliver to the low-income high-rises with Junior League of Scranton. And then the remaining 2,000 meals will be outside of the cultural center at 2.30. And as individuals either walk up or drive up, we will hand them to them. Um, volunteers will hand out the dinners that way. And your, last year, I think we did about 3,500 meals as well. And we did run out a little bit early. But you know, this is kind of our capacity. where We are not able to cook anymore because we're already using pretty much every commercial kitchen in the city. So we, don't, we can't make any more meals. But we encourage anyone who you know, has family or, or other people to share a meal with to come the next day for the, the family to family event and get the groceries and, and enjoy, you know, cooking the meal and, and sharing the meal with their family the next day. And as far as the distribution for yours is concerned, where is that going to take place again? And also the times, because as Linda had mentioned, you know, people like to line up early. So what is, uh, what are your parameters? So we are also at the Scranton Cultural Center from 2.30 to 5.30. Uh, no one, we're not able to take any cars lining up prior to two o'clock. We have the same generous offer of a, a parking company or traffic control company who's going to help us with traffic control. So hopefully it'll be a lot smoother this year. Um, and I, I still suggest if you have, if you don't have serious business going on downtown Scranton that day and that time to try to avoid those couple city blocks, we will do our best, uh, to, to get through everybody as quickly as we can and as efficiently as we can. And just ask that nobody line up before two o'clock um, because we we just don't have the the parking or the ability to to stage cars before that. And again, yours also. No one has to get out of their vehicle. No, nope, no one has to get out of their vehicle. We will be able to serve people who want to walk up or who don't have a vehicle. But we encourage everyone who has a car or has the ability to drive up to do so because we're just able to serve people that much quicker and and move through the line and respect everybody's time that way. And now we have to find out what's on the menu. Well, it is our traditional Thanksgiving dinner. So, of course, we will have uh, turkey and gravy and stuffing and mashed potatoes. Um, We'll have vegetables. We'll have pie. Uh, We also have a Gertrude Hawk candy bar and a roll and some cranberry. And then to top it all off, uh, some wonderful students from the area are putting together some beautiful Thanksgiving cards and well wishes that we'll be able to include in the bag as well, just as a little pick-me-up. And I know, again, as Linda said, that the donations are also so important this year. And I'm sure the same goes for your dinner. Yes. You know, for us, um, the bird flu really impacted us because we typically would get 80, 35 pound turkeys to cook. And there are just no 35 pound turkeys. So we had to get 160, 20 pound turkeys this year. We, we ordered them just as early as Linda did. And, you know, we got some good pricing locked in. But when we realized that we had to order more, um, you know, we had to pay three ninety nine a pound for those additional turkeys. So costs are really up um, and the need is, is pretty great. So we're really relying on the community and, and the generosity that the community shows us year after year to keep this tradition going. I mean, it's, it's the 46th year. This, this dinner predates our actual agency. It's the first ministry that Sister Adrian really started in the area. And so we're kind of, you know, relying on, on our community like we have done for the nearly 50 years and, and hoping that, you know, it just is just as much of a success this year as it has been every other. So how can people make donations? So you can go to our website, friendsofthepoorscranton.com, um, or you can send a check to our office. Our administrative office is 2300 Adams Avenue uh, at Scranton 18509. Or you can call everybody's favorite, Ann Williams, um, her number is 570-340-6086. 
and she handles donations. She handles volunteers. Um, you know, she's, she's our resident chatter. So if, if you've got questions, if you've got, you know, any concerns about the dinner, or if you just need somebody to talk to and your girl. Not only that, she's just an all around great lady. No, she's a keeper. <laughs> she is. She is a keeper. Absolutely. Just like you both. And Linda, I didn't ask you, what's on your menu this year? Well, again, like Megan said, everything for a traditional dinner. So we have, we have, of course, our 14 to 16 pound turkey. We have potatoes, yams, cranberry sauce, green beans. We give a bag of apples, um, stuffing, and a pie. And I feel like I'm missing something, but it's basically just about everything you need for a full Thanksgiving dinner. Well, it sounds like it's all going to be perfect once again. And Linda, while I have you in front of the microphone, I'm going to ask you to once again, just go over the details for us for the 23rd for Family to Family. Then we'll turn it back over to Megan and she can reiterate for the 22nd. So Linda, it's all yours. Well, thank you very much. And again, I would like to take this opportunity to thank everybody in advance for volunteering and for your generosity to help us raise, you know, over $200,000. But the family to family event will be on Wednesday, November 23rd. Uh, We will start serving at nine o'clock until five o'clock or unfortunately until we run out. And um, it will be a drive through format. If you live in downtown Scranton, you can certainly walk up. We will have people who can accommodate you as well. But we strongly encourage everybody to do the walk or the drive through if they're able, because it does run very efficiently and you may have to wait a little bit, but we try and get everybody through as quickly as possible. But we also want to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. So, All right. So now I'm, I'm going to have you pick up your turkey there and move over to the side just a little bit so we can have room for <laughs> Megan to come in now and get in front of the microphone and run over everything for the 22nd. The 22nd will be the Friends of the Poor 46th Annual Thanksgiving Community Dinner. We will be doing providing takeouts to anybody who can walk up or drive through uh, from 2.30 to 5.30 outside the Scranton Cultural Center. Right before that, the Junior League of Scranton will be helping us deliver 1,500 meals to those senior citizens living in low-income high-rises. So altogether, we'll give about 3,500 Thanksgiving meals out, um, as well as uh, candy bars and, and rolls and cranberry and beautiful cards from local students. So um, it's not the same, you know, sit down camaraderie event that we're used to. Um, we're still suffering some of those pandemic restrictions, but we're trying to make it as nice as we can and, and hope to get back together in the next year or so. And once again, Megan, the information, the important information about making those donations. You can go to friendsofthepoorscranton.com and click on make a donation, or you can call Ann Williams at 570-340-6086. And finally, if you're old school and you like to just write that check, then you can just write a check and send it to 2300 Adams Avenue, Granton, PA, 18509. Thanks once again to Linda Robeson with the Family to Family Program and Megan Loftus, Friends of the Poor and the annual Thanksgiving dinner, the 46th annual Thanksgiving dinner, Tuesday, November 22nd at the Scranton Cultural Center. It's takeout. All you have to do is be at the Cultural Center between 2.30 and 5.30, and they ask you not to arrive before 2 o'clock for parking purposes. Then on Wednesday, they will be there from 9 until 5 again at the Scranton Cultural Center, and this time you will be able to again pull up and they will put the meal in your vehicle. 
And of course, if you would like to make a donation, you can visit friendsofthepoorscranton.com. Don't go away. We're going to find out about a new program for those who might be thinking about getting into law enforcement on Special Edition. Now, Master Pennsylvania State Police Trooper with Troop in Hazleton, David Peters, joins us with details on the Hill Impact Program. Trooper Peters, you have another program coming up, and this one is geared toward, again, young people interested in law enforcement. Give us the details. Kind of looking back and and finding individuals that have come through Camp Cadet that are interested in law enforcement, we sort of took a look and realized that after Camp Cadet, age 14, 15, there really isn't anything that helps prepare those young people that are interested in such a career uh, until they get to college. Um, so we, we wanted to bridge that gap um, and create a program, almost like a career-ready type thing for them, where they're going to learn things, um, not just that will help them in the job or pursue the career, I should say, but also the other aspects that people don't really get into, like the physical fitness aspects, the, the paramilitary regimentation and, and, and things of that nature, uh, and, as well as keep them on the, the path, uh, the right path, so they don't go and commit you know, something uh, illegal or anything like that that would jeopardize their chances of getting into the, either the military or law enforcement. So who exactly are you looking for then? Is there an age range? Yeah, so we're looking for individuals that are ages 15 to 18. Um, It's a program, unlike Camp Cadet, where you can only go once. This is a program they can keep coming back year after year until they age out at 19. And then obviously our hope is that, you know, they're very serious about the career and they would jump into the senior version of this, which is that Law and Leadership Academy that runs from like 19 to age uh, 40, actually. So now you're looking toward this 15 to 18 year group. And is there a certain number that can be, because you mentioned coming back again. So do do you sign up once and then have to each time or how does that work? Yeah. So they would have to reapply each year. um, And the the goal is to build curriculums around what year someone is in there. Obviously the first year being just the basic uh, awareness type of things and then building on those aspects you know, if somebody's been in the program four years, you know, we want we don't want redundant information for them. We want to start building them in, into things like leadership uh, type of thing, team building skills, things that obviously, no matter what their career path shall be, hopefully it's law enforcement, that they're tools that they can take away uh, so they can uh, better fit the career they're looking for. Are there prerequisites in order to get into this? No, we just really ask that it's somebody who's, you know, whether they're considering law enforcement because of what we're going to try to teach there and what we're going to try to build off of. But, you know, we just basically ask someone who's interested in to apply, possibly, you know, get a, a recommendation from a teacher or a guidance counselor. Uh, it's a free program. Um, and again, one they can stay in and uh, learn about themselves, build that physical fitness aspect if that's something uh, they're looking to do as well. So now you have a group of students and you mentioned the fact that it's going to be a paramilitary program aspect. So what exactly does that mean? Well, obviously the state police is a paramilitary organization. So we march everywhere we go. We have what we would refer to as military courtesy and a hierarchy of structure where rank is involved. Um, Saluting, uh, you know, marching, squaring corners. It's very attention to detail orientation. And this program is actually just like our law and leadership is partnered with the PA National Guard. Um, So the individuals from the Guard would be conducting all the military uh, courtesy and drill aspects of the, of the program. And where is it going to be held? 
It's going to be held at the Kingston Armory. It's right next to Kirby Park. It's uh, Monday evenings from 5.30 to 8, so it's only one day a week, and four Saturdays through the 14-week uh, program. And you mentioned the fact that it's free, but it would be good to have some kind of a recommendation when you are applying. And how does the application process work? Uh, well, we've, we've been in the process of getting them out to all the schools where they can contact me. Uh, my email address is Peters P-E-T-E-R-S, at PA.gov, or they can contact me at the Hazleton Station, which is area code 570-459-3900, and my extension is 269. And I can email them an application if they haven't been able to get one at their local school. All right. And again, we're going to wrap it up. So what I'd like you to do, if you would, Trooper Peters, is go ahead and give us all the information one more time. And also the important date that the applications have to be in by. Yeah. So, again, it's a, it's a youth program for someone interested in law enforcement. It's a continuing program when they can stay in year after year until they age out at 19. So we're looking for 15 to 18 year olds that are very interested in pursuing a career in law enforcement, whether that's with the state or local, even the federal level. It's more geared to someone trying to learn uh, about the career as well as an academy style learning environment. They have until the end of November, November 30th to apply. The program is set to kick off Jan- in uh, the first week of January, January 6th and run all the way through April. Anything you think we may have missed that uh, our listeners need to know so they can pass on the information to those interested? No, just uh, contact me if they have any questions. I, I'm very open about the program and, and the challenges that it may face some young people. Again, we want to encourage them to uh, apply if, if it is a career that they're looking into. Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.